Yeah. 
Amen. Glory be to God. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand tonight. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. As I stood in the back just now and was just enjoying the presence of the Lord and listening to the song, the, 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 the words to this song, I just get so, I got so excited. And I'm excited about the Word of God. I'm excited about the things of God. But a specific thought came to my mind as I was in the back. It's, it's an interesting when you just look at your experiences with God and then you listen to other people's experiences with God and you kind of smirk and smile and says, he really is God because he knows how to get to all of us in the way that he needs to get to all of us. And so I'm in the back just enjoying him and the thought came to me about when I was getting ready to get on the Velastic Coaster in Disney World. I love roller coasters. And I get so excited when it's time to get on the Hulk or get on any one of those rides. I get excited. I'm like, come on, let's go. And I was just thinking, I said, I can never allow my excitement for roller coasters to be greater than my excitement for Jesus. <laughs> my God. So if I act a little crazy, just come to Disney with me and then you'll realize, okay, I know why he acts crazy. Because he gets psyched up in Disney, so he better be more psyched up for Jesus. And so, I don't know about you, but that's just how I am. Whatever I'm doing in life, I always evaluate and see how much this means to me comparing to what Jesus means to me. And I'm always watching that. And I'm, that's kind of how I learn to um, guide my life um, according to the ways of the Lord is because I'm always evaluating. How much does this mean to me? How much does, does this thing take up of my time? How much am I giving to this as opposed to what I'm giving to God? As opposed to what God means to me? As opposed to how much of my focus and attention does the Lord have? So I do that to evaluate to see where I am. And if I look and I realize, my goodness, I've been giving a lot of time to this and to that and to that, and that has nothing to do with Christ, then I have to reevaluate my priorities. And that's how I try to order my life in how I serve the Lord and how I live for him is I want to make sure he's at the center and he's first in my life. That way, everything will work the way it needs to work. Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be together again. Hallelujah. Amen. I praise God for all his all of his goodness and mercy, his kindness, his love. Amen. I, I, um, I was able to be on the sidelines a little bit. And of course, hear me in denial. Not that anything was really wrong with me, but I was on the sidelines for a little bit. And um, I had a chance to just, you know, get on the live stream and you know, just just be a regular person, not be the one to uh, be the leader of things and watch how everybody does what they do. And first, I must say, I, I'm just so grateful and thankful uh, for our church, how God is just working in all of your lives and how God is raising up uh, different people in the church to do different things. And so while, you know, I was just being just like everyone, most of everyone else, I watch how the ministers minister and the leaders lead and everything that was done. 
I am just so thankful to God for each and every one of you and how God is working in all of our lives. But I did notice one thing that I said, oh, I got to talk about this. And that is there are people that are faithful to um, being a part of the online congregation. It's what they do. And a lot of them, uh, it's, it's their only choice because they're not close enough to be able to come in the house of the Lord. So those people are very faithful to our online congregation, virtual uh, part of our service. Um, they're not able to be here. And so I thank God for them. They're faithful and they're always there. But one thing I did discover, and I felt like um, those who are normally here, most of the time anyway, and that usually come into the building, if you're not in the building, it seems like you don't want to or you don't get involved virtually. And I don't know if you're saying to yourself, since I've been involved in person and have that experience, it's just not even close to being online. And maybe you just put that thought in your mind and you don't participate online. But I want to tell you, if you're a part of this church and you can't be here in person, you need to be online uh, part of the, uh, the, the, the online congregation, the virtual viewing, because here is one of the biggest reasons. <laughs> you ready for this? This is interesting. We sometimes have things planned and we're doing things, and a lot of people start texting or um, reaching out to say, um, can you tell me about this? I didn't understand this, or I didn't know this. And they start to ask a lot of questions about what, are, what is going on. And that means usually... You're only connected when you're around and when you're not around, you're not connected. So we have other things going and maybe you weren't able to be here. So you missed that. And so now we're doing something and you want to know, well, well, what are, what are we doing? I didn't hear about that. Well, you might have been missing sometimes. So it's important that we're always connected. We have to take advantage of the opportunities that we have now. And so if, 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 if live stream is what we have, take advantage of it. So you always know what's going on in your church. It's your church. God called you here. This is where God is going to help you to be the best you you can be. So be in tune, be connected, be unified, be unified with everything that we're doing. That's what unity is all about is when we are on one accord. And the way we're on one accord is when we stay informed, all right? So, so when you're not here, I know. Sometimes it's because, you know, you have different things going on. But even if it's not live, even if you can't get, get on live, go back and view it later on because you want to be on one accord with your family. So trust me on that. It will help you. All right. Well, we need to go before the Lord in prayer before we get started. Amen. There's a lot of prayers that we need to pray. And if we, you know, go that way, we'll be praying all night. But there's a word that we need to get into tonight. But I want you to remember um, all of the folks that we have listed that need prayer. Remember them in your prayer. People are, you know, um, getting sick from left to right. Um, the good news is many have gotten sick and has overcome their sickness in a few days. So we're glad about that. I'm hoping by now we realize that the vaccination work. Uh, I don't want to get into that but here. You know, you get into that. You know, all of a sudden vaccination is political. <laughs> all of a sudden vaccination is political. But here, I, I'm, I'm a COVID expert. 
<laughs> not according to the doctors and the CDC and the scientists, according to my own experience, right? And so I had COVID before vaccination was available, was, you know, before they was able to, you know, bring it out to us. And so I had COVID before and it was every bit of 10 days working in your system and you're fighting it. Remember, I told you I preached up a storm. I was sweating. I was temperature probably was at 103 at some point in time. It didn't matter. I was preaching up a storm, just going hard at it. But when I was done, I would go creep back up in my bed and go lay down. You guys didn't see that part, you know, and temperature high and all of this stuff. And that was strong. That was for a good, strong 10 days. And okay, that time gone, we get vaccinated and all good now. And they told you vaccination don't mean you can't get COVID again. It just means it protects you uh, from probably hospital, you know, um, visits and, you know, death. And so here we go again. Now you're vaccinated and I got the symptoms again. Test positive. Um, watch yourself. And so got the got you know, and, and, and test positive, right? But the deal was this time around, all of the symptoms that I had before I had the, the shot didn't have any of them. Every once in a while, a little spike in temperature, but that was it. I didn't have any, anything going on in my body. I wasn't, you know, just everything was fine. And so I'm good. And so I overcome that and moving forward. And today I went and got my booster. So guess what? Uh, hey, 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 you know, I'm loyal. I don't know about everybody else, but whatever I'm loyal to, I'm loyal to it. And if I'm loyal to Johnson Johnson, I'm loyal to Johnson Johnson. You can be loyal to whatever you want to be loyal to. Okay. I'm loyal to Johnson Johnson. And so I got my Johnson Johnson booster today. And you want to hear something? Let me mess with some of the folks. I got it in my left arm. That's an inside joke. Is it the people saying, we got to be careful it's not the mark of the beast. Well, the mark of the beast come on the right. Stop messing with y'all. Because, you know, about time we get over that. Because, because you know, what's interesting. So we had a brother in here uh, the other day that worked, was not vaccinated. He got COVID, had to be hospitalized. Now, you want to hear something interesting? When he got hospitalized, we got some nurses in here so y'all know. They had to give him blood thinner. He didn't say I didn't want that. They had to give him um, 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 oxygen, um, steroids. They had to give him steroids. He didn't say don't give me that. And they had to give him a lot of stuff. Never said one word about it. He called me up later. He sounded real good. Hey, pastor, they gave me this. They gave me this. This is working. I'm like, yeah. I didn't say anything to him, but I'm smiling to myself because the very thing that you say, they're not putting this vaccination in me. You got up in there and guess what? You mom was the word and they just kept on giving you what they needed you. And, you know, I think it's about five days. He was out of there feeling good. He says, I'm getting my strength back. I said, great, brother. But the point is. We need to think about something else instead of going about talking about, whoa, vaccination isn't that. Come on, church. I mean, we, we got to get over that because, you know, as I said, any conspiracy that you come up with, let it always be about. If you come up with a conspiracy that tells me that it has something to do with finances, I'll start listening. If the conspiracy don't include money in this country, it ain't no conspiracy. Just thought I'd tell you that because this country Business and money is what run this thing. And, and like I said, you ready for this one? The rich people ain't trying to kill the poor people. Why? Because the poor people spend the money for the rich people to stay rich. 
So they're not going to kill the poor people. Y'all miss this stuff sometimes. It's going right over your head. The rich people not trying to, because if the rich people kill off all the poor people, they're not going to be rich anymore because the poor people stop spending. So now their money gone. So that's not the conspiracy theory that you need to have. Get another one, but not that one. Hey, man, let's get into the, the let's pray because, you know, I can talk about this all day long. Now, here is something separate from it. So, you know, I got to cover all my bases. Now, here is something separate. I appreciate those people that are taking the legal part of this, the court, to say we will not be forced to be vaccinated. That I appreciate, because let me tell you what that's all about. Now, we should be smart enough to all get vaccinated, but we have to defend our right to say no to something and they can't make us do it. We need to defend that because here's how things go. It may start out innocent, but it will not end innocent. So when they mandate anything, it might be mandated for something that was reasonable and that was for your own good. But years down the line, you're going to see that now they're going to use it against you. Right. That's what the scripture talked about. At some point in time, they're going to tell you, if you don't do this, you will not be able to buy nor sell. Right. So we know that innocent things is, is, is you know, things start out innocent sometimes and later on. It is not so innocent anymore. So I do appreciate those people who understand the law and realize that we need to fight certain things so we don't we, we don't lose all of our rights, our, our freedom that we should have in this country. So I'm not overlooking that. But I think those are two separate things. Right. Taking the, the vaccination to make sure you are safe is different from you know, defending your right to say yes or no to something, right? So if it was up to me and I can just program everybody's mind, I would program everybody's mind to take the vaccination, but I also will program the government to not try to force some mandates on us that we have as freedom as our right. So that's where I stand on it. And, you know, you can take that for whatever it's worth. We don't want to be forced to do certain things. And later on, if they force this, They'll force that and they'll force that. And before you know it, we become, you know, like, you know, some other countries. I won't call any names so nobody comes after me. But but but, you know, if we don't, you know, mandate certain things, I'm not mandate, not that if we don't regulate certain things to make sure you can't be forced to do some things that are personal. I'm agreeing with that. The only thing I'm not agreeing with is the people who are not taking it. And they're causing others to be sick and all of that stuff. I hope you understand what I'm saying and you don't get confused, but that's the deal. Well, let's pray tonight and ask God to help us and, and, and speak to our hearts in this Bible study. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're grateful and we're thankful tonight to be in the house of the Lord, to be gathered together as one in the name of Jesus, whether we are virtual or whether we are here in person. We're grateful and we're thankful, Lord. You have kept us, Lord God. You have provided for us, Lord. You have, Lord Jesus, been so good to us, better to us than we can ever be to ourselves. And, oh God, we're here tonight to give you thanks. 
We're here to praise your holy name wherever we are tonight, Lord God. We will bless the name of the Lord. We will praise the name of the Lord. We will exalt your name, O God, and we will show forth the praises of God. For, Lord, you are our God. For you are my God. And, Lord, we cannot thank you enough for all of what you have done and continue to do. Oh, God, we pray tonight that you will pour out of your spirit upon us as a people as we have gathered together in one accord, wherever we are, but one accord. Lord, for those who are watching at home, wherever they are, Lord God, they are in one accord with us. Help them to be focused tonight and to be attentive. I know, Lord, I seek for you to speak to us tonight, Lord God, directly, individually, and collectively, Lord. Let every person hear from heaven tonight, Lord God, that whatever you need to say, they will comprehend it. They will understand it. And Lord, it will go into their heart and take root. That Lord God, they will become doers of what you communicate into their soul. Have your way tonight, Lord Jesus. Speak to us, O great God. Move on us tonight, O great God. Change us, O great God. That Lord, we will go to a new dimension in you. In the name of Jesus Christ. We give you praise and honor, Lord, for you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord most high. Heaven is your throne, O great God, and earth is your footstool. Tonight, Lord Jesus, we look for the supernatural power of the Lord to manifest among us, to be demonstrated among us. Let your glory fill the houses in the name of Jesus Christ and reveal your word to us, Lord, in a clear and concise way, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, have your way. Will you anoint me, Lord, that I may speak as your oracle tonight, Lord? Will you touch the hearing of your people that they will hear with clarity in the name of Jesus Christ? And I pray for miracles, signs, and wonders in the name of Jesus Christ. Tonight, Lord God, I pray for those who need healing, that you will heal their body, that you will touch their mind, and that the miracle working power of the Lord will overshadow them, Lord. In the name of Jesus, bind us together, Father, that your will be done, your kingdom come, as we give you the praise, as we honor you, as we bless your name. The Lord is good, your mercy everlasting, your truth endure it unto all generation. Rain down upon us tonight, Lord, that your will be done. We thank and praise you. We give you honor, Lord, for you are our God, our keeper, our deliverer, our sustainer, the source of everything that we need as we give you the praise and the honor. Bless your people tonight, Lord God, that they will receive from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Come on, let's clap our hands wherever you are tonight. Clap your hands. Whatever you're doing tonight, why don't you... Tune in into hearing what God has to say to you. Put your focus on Him right now and bless the Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, Jesus, I thank you. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Glory. Hallelujah.
This is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad. I will rejoice. And I will praise him. Amen. I'm going to share with you tonight something that I've shared with you before, but in a different way, different format. Tonight I'm going to share with you because I feel strongly by the spirit that I needed to bring this back to your attention. And, you know, there are things in your life, if you're growing in God, growing in, in God, in Christ, what you understood a year ago, six months ago, if you're in the word of God, God will allow you to understand even more than what you understood six months ago. And so I think that I understand even more than what I always knew about this subject that I will uh, invoke to teach on tonight. And I pray this is a foundational. There are teachings that are foundational. Teaching that when, when you have something that's foundational, it means that you're stable. It means that very difficult for you to go off the the beaten path because you have something that anchors you, something that stabilizes you, something that will keep you from going astray. And so the teaching tonight is foundational. I once heard it said every sin that we commit starts from the place of idolatry. So if you ever want to Go back and examine how did you end up doing something that was not pleasing unto God. It probably started from a place of idolatry, meaning you made yourself more important or something else more important than your creator. That's idolatry. Anything that you have made more important to you than God, that's idolatry. Nothing is supposed to be more important than God in any one of our lives. So that's where a lot of things start. I also want to bring this to your attention. We have less control over the things of this world than we have control. Yes. So there's so many things that's out of our control in this life. And so I say that to say this. Don't live your life trying to establish a whole bunch of rules around it. Now, I'm not telling you to live reckless because we have the word of God that tells us how to live. So we should not live reckless because the word of God helps us not to live reckless. But also you have to be careful in trying to establish a whole bunch of rules to govern your life by. And I remember this guy went to Jesus and says, Jesus, what is the great commandment? And he asked Jesus that because... I think they said it was 634 or 664 commandments at that time that he was looking at. So in his mind, man, I can't keep up with 600 and something commandments. How in the world am I going to do that? So, Lord, just tell me what's the most important commandment so I can focus on those. And the Lord told him he must love the Lord thy God with all his heart, all his soul and all his mind. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And you always hear me tell you the best way to govern your life, because you will not know every single thing to do, 
is govern it from a position of love, govern it by love. So whatever decision you want to make, however you want to pursue or proceed in anything, when you don't know what to do, just begin to say, what way can I demonstrate love in this situation? That's the key. And so that's what I took from that scripture when the man asked Jesus, what is the great commandment? Jesus gave him, you know, um, to love the Lord and to love his neighbor as thyself. I said, that's significant. It's not easy. It sounds like it's much simpler, which I believe it is simpler because now, you know, try to keep up with thou shalt not and thou shall. That's pretty hard. But when you understand that, oh, if I just love the Lord with everything I've got and love my neighbor as myself, then I'm good to go. Everything that I have to handle, I handle it from that perspective and that will help us. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you a little bit. Take your time with me. Don't log off early and don't get antsy for you that are here because what I have to say, I believe, is so significant. And so tonight I'm going to talk to you on this topic, motivated by justification, motivated by justification. Mm -hmm. All right. Question for you tonight. If God is eternal, everlasting in his strength. His creative energy has no end and is self-generating, unfolding from itself. His love unfolds from itself without end, eternal. He governed his own eternal creative power an endless endowment to and for his creation as the word, possessing all power and authority. All these things are his unlimited and incomprehensible attributes. But what about him? What motivated him? What motivated him to create? Why did God create anything? Could it simply be desire? Did God create everything he created because he just desired it? Maybe. God made nothing to be useless. There is not one thing that God created and he said, I'm just doing it just to do it. I'm just creating that mosquito over there just to create it. I'm just creating Brussels sprouts just to create it. I'm creating the fly just to irritate you. I don't think that's what he did. Everything he created has some purpose that justifies him making them. Did God have a purpose to be fulfilled by everything he created? <laughs> a better question is this. Why would the absolute God create anything at all? Why would the absolute God, the self-sufficient one, 
Why would he create anything at all? Was there some necessity that motivated him? What necessity could be imposed on the almighty God? What necessity could exist apart from him? I'll help you. None. Not any kind of necessity could exist apart from the almighty God. Nothing exists apart from God. God was and is, well, let me not say is, God was everything. So if there was some necessity, what was it and how did it come to exist within him? Is, is he not entirely self-sufficient? He is absolutely self-sufficient. Is he somehow incomplete? <laughs> no, he is absolutely complete in everything. So if he is self-sufficient and he is absolutely complete, why does he need to create? <laughs> What motivated God to create? Revelations chapter 4 verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We're on to something now. Bible says he created all things for his pleasure. That sounds simple, but boy, that's huge, huge, huge. Because when we begin to think about that and ponder that in our heart, it starts to conflict with the way we like to do things and how our thoughts run in our mind. Because if we were created, because we're part of the all things, if we were created according to his pleasure, then the life that I'm living, who's getting pleasure out of it? Me or him? The word pleasure is translated from the Greek word which means the predetermined and unchangeable will of God. The word pleasure in this particular text, it means the predetermined and unchangeable will of God. So God created us for his pleasure, which means he created us according to his, his predetermined, unchangeable will. That's why he created us. God is absolutely immutable. He never changes. He never degenerates. Everything decays except God. He is always the same. 
Malachi 3 and 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You know what that means? He's saying, because from the very beginning, I'm still the same as I am today. Your actions don't determine my response. Come on, somebody. You got to help me here tonight. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because God is the same and he never changes. It doesn't matter how evil we become. It doesn't matter how much we stray away from him. He says, I'm the same. From the very beginning, I am love. And still today, I'm love. And that's why whatever y'all are doing that seems off the hook and seems out of control, I just don't respond to you because I'm God and I change not. We don't realize that the reason why some things haven't happened to us the way we have been living is because God doesn't change. You don't do something and get God to get upset and says, you know what, I got, I'm sick of this now. God don't get to that place. He is the same always. And so whatever action you have, you go back. I was just talking to my wife and she's looking at the scriptures and she's saying, man, it looked like we've always been this way and we've always done that and we've always done that. Yes, we've always done it because we just are people and people will always be people as Sister Dale always said. And so God is saying, you're not going to force me to be something that I'm not. I am going to continue to be who I am and you're not going to change me. That's a little lesson in there for all of us. Stop letting people get so much on your nerve that you get out of control. Stop letting people get on your nerves so much that you got to respond to them. You're making them change you. And if you're a child of God and you're supposed to be like God, you shouldn't let anybody change you. Whoever you are, that's who you need to be. Stop letting people do things to control your response. Stop letting people be who they, the devil is using them to be so you can be changed. It's not your will. It's not the will of God that you should change from being who God made you to be. Stop letting people affect you to make you change from who you're supposed to be. You're a child of God. And it doesn't matter how ridiculous people get. It doesn't matter how they get crazy. It doesn't matter what they say to you. Be who you're supposed to be. A child of God. A Christian with the characteristics that God say you're supposed to have. Don't let people make you be something that you're not. Jesus changed not. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Whatever God has been is what he is now and will ever be. He is immutable. He alone never changes. We need to change. God don't need to change. He tells us that we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But it's because if Adam and Eve never changed, there will be no need for us to change. So he created us that we will be like him and never needing change. But because Adam and Eve responded to something that they should have never responded to, change started. But it wasn't because God wanted us to change. He created us to be just like him so we wouldn't have to change. And now that Adam and Eve has sinned, now sin come upon every person. And now we find ourselves changing, transforming. We, we, we messed it up and that's why we are changing. But if we would have remained the way God created us, we wouldn't have been changing. 
But because God doesn't change, we should be celebrating. We should be just so grateful and so thankful because God doesn't change. You know what happens when, when, because, because God doesn't change. We can rest assured that some of the things that we've read about in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament where we weren't living, we can be assured that those things that we have read about, those things that we have seen in Scripture that God has done, we know today we can still claim it because if God never changes what he did in the Old Testament, he still do today. What he did in the New Testament with Paul and Peter, he's still doing today because he never changes. He hears Naaman from leprosy way back then. Uh, guess what? He can heal us today. Uh, he alone by himself saved Israel from their enemies way back then. Uh, and guess what? He can save you today from your enemies today. He provided for Israel way back then. So guess what? He can provide for you today. Our God is immutable. He never changes. Uh, whatever he has done way back when, you can claim it today because he's not changing. He is always the same. So when you declare something, just look in the scripture and see what God has done. And all you got to say is, God, you did it before. And I know you're no respecter of persons. So today I come to you, Lord, to say, will you do it for me? You healed Naaman. So today I'm sick in my body. And God, I ask you to touch me and heal me. Even if you never touch me, but you heal me, I will be healed, Lord. If you want me to go dip in the river, Lord, I'll go dip in the river. But heal me. You did it before. You can do it again. God don't change. We ought to, when we think about that, when we think about that God is immutable, we need to be, we need to say, man, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful we didn't get on your nerves to the point where you decide you got to change a little bit. Oh, God, you are so good to us. Better to us than we can ever be to ourselves. God loves us before the foundation of the world. He still loves us today and he will love us continuously. The Bible says he loves us with an everlasting love. All creation decays, but God is always absolute. He remains the same. Not only is he immutable, but he is also self-existent. Uh-huh. It means He requires no outside source or energy. In Exodus chapter 13, chapter 3, verse 13 through 15, you know the scripture. Look at what it says. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers had sent me unto you and they shall say to me. What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am had sent me unto you. And God said, moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of of Isaac and the God of Jacob had sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generation. He is, I am. 
I am that I am. That is fundamental. That is a fundamental principle behind everything he reveals and the foundation for everything he did and he does. God is immutable. He never changed and he is everything. (laughs) When God says, I am that I am, you know what it means? He is everything we need. God is everything that we need. There is nothing that you need outside of God. God, this is why I said earlier, every sin man commit is considered idolatry. It starts with idolatry because if you believe that God is everything you need and that God never changes and that God is self-sufficient and that God loves you and that God is immutable, if you believe that, then you have no place else to look. You have no place else to go. You shouldn't seek after anything else because everything that you need is all in him. So when we go looking and searching for things that are ungodly, that are unrighteous, that are sinful, it means we have taken our eyes off of Jesus and we put it on something else. I'll prove it to you. How did the first sin take place? The first sin. The first sin... Let's not start with the first sin in heaven. Let's start with the first sin of mankind. The first sin of mankind was Eve looked up on the tree and saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. And, you know, food good to eat. And so that's what she looked and saw. Then she picked the fruit and bite and passed it to her husband, and he bit. Adam received the instructions from God. He passed it on to Eve. Eve took her eyes off of Adam. Adam took his eyes off of God. This is why the Bible did not say Eve sinned. Eve didn't sin. Eve disobeyed her husband. But Adam sinned. Because Adam took his eyes off of the God that created him. Remember now, we don't know how long Adam lived with God before Eve came on the scene. So he knows his God. He has seen what his God can do. He knows his God never changed. So he knows and whatever God taught him, whatever God said to him, whatever he learned from God, he had it. And so when wifey came, he let her know, honey, you can't do this, you can't do that. God told me this, and I've learned, you don't do that. So when she took up the tree, she just disobeyed her husband. That's all she did. Because she can always say, well, God never told me. But she's going to pay because, woman, you're supposed to submit to your husband. So you don't escape because you want to claim God didn't tell me. God is going to say, but aren't you supposed to submit to your husband? And that's where she got the curse because she was supposed to submit to her husband. And this is why today the submission thing is a big thing because that's what caused the problem. She didn't submit because whatever her husband told her, she disobeyed that. Right. And silly him instead of him saying, girl, you know, I told you about that. He took his eyes off God. Now, Ooh, let me bite that, too. And that's what happened. So we can say Adam made Eve 
is God. Because he put her before God. Because he had a choice. Do what Eve was telling him or do what God told him. So that's what I'm saying. Every sin, especially the original one, can always go back to really idolatry. Because you put something before God. Anytime you put anything before God, that is considered idolatry. Uh-huh. God exists. So what now? Because he is everything and he has no need for anything. God exists. Just think about this before anything came on the scene. God exists. He's self-sufficient. He is complete. He needs no outside source. He exists. So what now? Because God is everything. He doesn't need anything, but he exists. Hmm. If he is everything and complete and needing nothing, why create anything at all? See, we never got down to that part. We, 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 again, what I've been challenging this church to do, stop being shallow in the word of God. Don't just go with the surface stuff. The surface was for you when you were a babe in Christ. So when we're babe, this is what the scripture talk about. When you're a babe, you drink milk. That's the surface of the word. But as you start to grow up in God, you got to start eating meat. Now that goes below the surface of the word now. Now that goes to digging a little bit. Now that goes to studying to show yourself approved unto God. If God is everything and complete and need nothing, why create anything? Let me help you out with this real quick. Many of us, including me, have said this. God created us because he desire fellowship and he can only have fellowship with beings that are like him. And so he created us beings in his image. That may be true. I've been saying that for many years. You know, great men of God and scholars have been saying that for many years. But let's stop for a minute and ask the question. Did God need fellowship with us? See, we, we skipped over that. We skipped that. And all of us want to feel so good because that's how we are. We have to say things that make us feel good. And so we skip over that and stop asking, why did God ever create us anyway? Because he's self-sufficient. He's complete. He doesn't need any outside source or energy. All that he needs, he is. So why even bother with a creation that wasn't even going to listen to you? Boy, if we start asking that question, we get nervous. Like, oh, snap. So why am I really here? Uh-huh. If he is complete and need nothing, why did he com- create anything? So here we go. The only thing that makes sense for God to create. There's only one thing that makes sense. For God to create. And that is this. God had to justify his existence. I'm slowing it down right there. 
The real reason behind God creating is because God is the, had to justify his existence. Remember what I said. God existing, being all self-sufficient, all powerful, all of what he is, complete. If he exists like that, nobody knows because nobody's here. Only he knows. What is there to talk about? You don't have to... He don't have to prove anything to anybody. And so God didn't have to create. But what God did was he said within himself. How am I going to be of value? I'm here. I exist. Okay, cool. Nothing else exists, but I don't have any value. Interesting, huh? You, you couldn't you can't go that deep like God, no value. If he alone is here and he's everything, he has no value. Who is there to value him? Who is there to say, oh, I need you? (laughs) So God had to justify his existence. Existence demands justification. Existence demands justification i'll say it again existence demands justification what good is existence with no purpose we just went back and say see can i say this in a nice way but it's mean me and you and all humans we're so hypocritical we are very hypocritical Because here we go, God has us coming and going. That's why it's only his grace and his mercy why we're going to make it in. Because he got us coming and going. Because here we go, oh, nothing exists without a purpose. But you existed without a purpose. That's so hypocritical. Oh, my goodness, God, forgive us. All I can say is, Lord, be merciful. Because, but, but that's just one of the things that we do that's hypocritical before God. Forget about each other. The things that we do that is so hypocritical before God. Because we will be quick to tell you, oh, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And then I come to you and say, what's your reason for existing? We can't get around that. We can't go, go around talking about, well, there's a reason for that and there's a reason for that. And we can't justify our own existence. We better figure it out because that's hypocritical to say everything. And here's the deal. The highest creation of God is us. So if a mosquito have some sort of reason for existing, mosquito and you are the prized possession, possession, you better start thinking about that. Hmm. Listen to me. The I am demanded of himself some validation. The I am demanded of himself some validation, some justification for his own existence. God demanded of himself validation Justification for his own existence. Listen to me. If God 
demands validation and justification for his own existence. We better start doing something quickly. Determining value. Just let me help you out with how you come to the place of how God get, got to this place. God is who he is, and, and, and he shows us in the word how we determine value. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. So here's the story. If you think you're valuable, God says you're wrong because you don't know your value. So you can't determine your value. Now, it's also important for you to understand that goes both ways. You can't think more of yourself than you should, but you also should not think less of yourself than you should. So what do we do? We can't think less. Well, we should not think less of ourselves and we should not think more of ourselves. We have to determine value has to be determined on us, but we can't determine that. Let me go on a little bit more about this. Existence. Let me say it this way. Value does not arise from the existence of itself. Value is a sign to the existence by something external that exists. So you can't determine your value internally. Your value is determined externally from something or somebody else. Now, the thing about it, just not anybody can determine your value, though. They have to be fully, fully acquainted and intimate with you to determine your value. <laughs> what determines value or worth? Here's something to think about. The Spaniards search for the immeasurable wealth of the Maya. They found no gold, which they valued above all other commodity. They found only huge storage rooms full of feathers. They went to search for gold. They found huge storage rooms full of feathers. They burned the feathers trying to get the Maya to reveal the location of their cities hoarding their great golden wealth. What was the gold worth? To the Spaniards, a little gold was worth destroying the lives of an entire civilization to obtain it. God will use gold to pave the street of his great city. So the Spaniards, gold meant everything to them. They, they took lives because of gold. But to God, we're going to walk on gold. So, what value does the I am have? 
Is his own assessment of his value wrong? No, it's not wrong because he's everything. Not in any measure. It is absolutely accurate whatever he knows of himself. But it is also meaningless. God knows he's valuable. But while he's by himself, he's the only one that knows. <laughs> and, and if he's the only one that knows, it's meaningless. In any economy, including the divine economy, as even ancient theologian referred to God's relation to the creation, the value of anything is determined by the price someone will pay for it. One man's junk is another man's treasure. So don't miss that part. Value is determined by the price someone will pay for it. Oof. Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. Value is determined by the price someone will pay for it. Before I go any further, can I say this to you tonight? You know the price that was paid for you? Whew. Somebody help me here tonight. Value is determined by the price someone will pay for it. The all-powerful, self-sufficient, Absolute, the almighty God, who is sovereign, no one like him, no one above him, paid a price for you and for me. He owns all the gold. He owns all the precious jewels. He, oh, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Everything belongs to God. Yet when it was time to pay a price for you, he didn't purchase you with gold. He didn't purchase you with silver. He didn't purchase you with any precious stones. He did not purchase you with all the money. He did not purchase you with anything that came from this world. But when it was time to pay a price to show your value, God shed his precious blood that nobody else had. Only he had that blood. He had that blood. And that's what he paid for you. There's no, there's, there's no debating about your value. There is no debating about what you're worth. There's no debating on what value you are because God already showed your value. What are you worried about? It doesn't matter what anybody say about you. It doesn't matter how bad they talk about you. It doesn't matter how they treat you. God already showed you your value to him because he paid a price that only he alone can pay. He paid a price. 
that only he alone could pay, Izzy. Nobody else could have paid the price for you that God had paid for you. We can go as far as say, that's why the devil can't stop you. That's why the devil can't destroy you. Because the devil don't have what it takes to get you away from God. What you are valued at and what you are worth to God, nobody else can purchase you. Nobody else can take you away from God because they don't have what it takes to take you from God. You don't have to worry about your value anymore. You don't have to worry about what anyone else think about you. God thought that much of you that he says, there is nothing else. There's nothing in this world that is valuable enough for me to use to purchase those that are mine. This is why he can say, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. This is why he can say everything else is corruptible, because God made us at the highest priority of anything else that he created. We are the most prized possession that he created. And so anything less than something that came from his person was never going to be enough. Church, you got to think about that. There was nothing that could have purchased us. As a matter of fact, we can go so deep in this stuff. As a matter of fact, this is why the Bible says, and God breathed into man's nostril and man became a living soul. You know what that means? You didn't come from the dirt. You didn't come from clay. Guess what? Your body is clay. Your body is dirt. But who you are is the soul that is within you. And that soul that is within you, that came from God. So if God is going to buy you back, he can only buy you back with something. Something that came from him. Oh, God, you're so awesome. I believe we ought to praise God. He is so awesome. He is so, so, so just unexplainable. The things that he do, the things that he does, there is no one like Jesus. We came from him. And he's saying, if you came from me, Nothing else in this world can purchase you. Nothing else in this world is valuable enough to purchase you. The only thing that would be valuable enough had to come from within me. And so just like how you came from within me, the only thing that can sustain you, it comes from within me. Oh, God, help us. We are overlooking some stuff that God wants us to see and know and understand. I'm telling you, church, we got to be motivated by justification because justification is what motivated God. And once you understand that, all of life will change for you the way how you pursue life. The value of God, God's desire to make himself known is in response to the fact that self-evaluation is meaningless. I thank God that he has shown us already what we are really worth. I, I thank God that God has shown us already our value. Church, that is so significant. We have to stop allowing people to try to determine our value. Your value has already been determined by God. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. He shed his blood for you and there is nothing in this world or outside of this world that is more valuable than the precious blood of Almighty God. Nothing. Nothing. The life of the flesh is in the blood. You can't give nothing greater than the blood. Man, oh man. God help us tonight. The great I am is not the great ego. He does not accept his own evaluation. 
It has to come from the outside, from someone that has an association, an experience, intimate experience with God. That's the only way that we can evaluate and determine God's value. There is where Adam and Eve and all human creation comes in. We are the ones that determine God's value. Let me tell you something. Sometimes this comes with age. But if you can do it without it coming with age, it'll help you. Start being sure of who you are. Be secure in who you are. Be sure of who you are and be secure in who you are. You know what I've discovered? Is when you are secure in who you are and sure of who you are, stuff don't bother you. Stuff don't move you. People don't get on your nerves. People don't change you because you are sure of who you are. And that's what we got to tap into. Once we realize who we are and the value that we have been, that has been placed upon us, Oh, man, when people start saying stuff, you just sit cool and calm as a cucumber. Because you already know. But when you don't know who you are, when you're still searching, when you're still trying to prove yourself, when you're trying to still trying to get acceptance, that's when things is in topsy-turvy because you're uncertain. You're like a chaff in the wind going to and fro. But when you understand, I'm a child of God. I'm a, I'm a child of the king. And guess what? He has purchased me with the precious blood, with his precious blood. And I know who I am. I know whose I am. And I am confident. And I am assured of who I am. And nothing you say and nothing you do can devalue me. God created the one most intimate with him. Why? That we may determine his value and for him to justify his existence. Yes, you determine God's value. If you understand and show him what he means to you, You just justified why you were created because how you respond to him, how you interact with God, what you're doing. This is why the Bible says he tabernacle in the praises of his people, because why are you praising him? Because you're saying he's so valuable to you. You're praising him because you're saying he means everything to you. You're praising him because of his goodness. You're praising him because of his mercy, his kindness. You're praising him because of who he is. And when you praise God like that, it means you are saying you are the most valuable thing to me. And he can't help himself but to say, oh, that's why I did all of this. That's why I created them. They finally understood that they mean everything to me. And now they're seeing it. Now they're responding to me to let me know I did it right. I know I did it right. But until my creation realize who I am, until my creation decide that I'm the most valuable thing to them, then I'm sitting there and says, was it all worth it? My God. The more we come to know God, the more we trust him, the more we worship him, the more we praise him, the more we live according to his word, the more we reveal his value and his existence for why he exists. 
the more we worship God. So your worship is something different. It's, it's more than what you think. Your worship is, is affirming what God did. Your praise is affirming what God did because God everything, God all powerful, God all, you know, existence and, and, and self-sufficient and immutable. God, all of that was like, what does that mean? And then he created us. And when we respond to him by saying, I need you, mothers, only you all know this. Nothing, 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 nothing. You all can tell me if I'm wrong. There is nothing that compares in this world that when you bring a child in this world and they look in your eyes like you are everything to them, like they know that they cannot live without you. I'm sure not even your husband can do better than that. I'm sure nothing could be better than that, that when you bring this child, you push them out, you deliver them in that labor ward, and now they're crying and they're saying, eh, and when they get the first look and look in your your eyes and know you are the one that brought them into this world. There is nothing like it. I don't know that. I can only know that because I know my God and I know how he is when we worship him. That's how I know that. I know how our God is when we praise him. That's why when you worship God, that's why when you praise God, his presence begins to consume you because there's something about when the creation of God begins to worship him, begins to praise him, something begins to take place because it's just right. It's just right. Let me tell you what praise does. Let me tell you what worship does. There's an exchange. There is completion. Because guess what? The one who created you to, 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 to justify his existence is now so consumed and so ecstatic that what he did, it was worth it. That what he did is, com- is right. And so when you worship God and God is there, it is almost perfect completion. Worship and praise unto God. It's perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. Because what God, the reason why God created you is being demonstrated. Perfect harmony. You are determining his value and he has shown you how valuable you are to him. It's perfect harmony. Worship and praise to God is perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. Nothing like it. My God. Even in our failure, we reveal his valuable, his value. When we seek forgiveness of sins, when we admit our weaknesses, we still reveal his value. Because when we sin and we recognize our sin, we go to him for forgiveness. We are recognizing his value because only he can forgive sin. When we're weak and we're worn out and we begin to cry and say, God, I'm weak and I'm worn out. Help me. We're saying, God, you are so valuable. I need you. And only you can give me the strength that I need. When we do that, we're determining his value. We are justifying his existence. Revelation of justification. And I'm finishing up here. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 5, the, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. 
according as he, somebody's, somebody's praising God right now. I can sense it in the Holy Ghost. Somebody is virtual praising God because God has spoken to your heart tonight. Somebody is worshiping the Lord where they are because God has spoken to their heart. Because God is drawing you. Because you have an understanding now. You realize your praise is bigger than what you thought. You realize your worship is greater than what you thought. Go ahead and praise Him. Go ahead and worship Him. Go ahead and lift your hands and just thank Him. Go ahead and magnify his name. The Lord is good. His mercy everlasting. <laughs> oh, we worship you, Lord. Oh, we bless your name, Lord Jesus. There is none like you. There is none like you. There is none like you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my Oh, my all in all. I praise you. Go ahead and worship him. Go ahead and bless his name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Revelation of justification. God has shown us. He has revealed to us how we can justify our existence. And how he has shown us where what we do will determine our value, our justification. In Ephesians 1 and 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Look at verse 4. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He's showing us, having predestinated us unto adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Ephesians same chapter 1 verse 11 jump down to verse 11 in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. All of what's going on with us it's all about us justifying our existence by abiding in Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. We can't try to live however we want to live because that don't justify our existence. The mosquito have to serve its purpose. The ant have to serve its purpose. The trees have to serve its purpose. The water has to serve its purpose. Everything that God made that is not called human, it has to serve its purpose. Now the highest creation that has ever been created must serve its purpose. And its purpose is for the pleasure of Almighty God. That we should be the praises, that we should be to the praise of his glory. Who first trusted in Christ, we should be to the praise of his glory. God's God was motivated by justification. Because he existed and served no purpose existing. He says, I need to determine that I'm valuable. I need to have a reason to exist. And God created us. 
we have to realize that if we will justify our existence, it's going to be by faith. You can't just try to determine your existence by how you think, what you think, what you do. It has to be what God says. And the Bible says we can't please God except by faith. He that cometh to God must believe it that he is God and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we are going to justify our existence, we're going to have to go through faith. Romans 3 and 28 says, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And so James chapter 2 verse 21 says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So we can only be justified by faith, but you can't just say you have faith and no works follow. Likewise also, I love this one, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So we can only justify our existence by faith. But faith without works is dead. And so church, our job now is to seek God, to see what is our purpose. Our God, our job is to seek God and say, God, show me what it is that you created me to do and what you call me to be so I can do it. By faith we seek God because we believe that he is God. But by works we establish and justify our existence. We must fulfill our purpose in Christ to justify our existence. Abraham fulfilled his purpose in God and justified his existence. Rahab fulfilled her purpose in God, therefore justified her existence. The shepherds who went to witness Christ in the manger and went and declared that truth fulfilled their purpose in Christ, therefore justified their existence. Church, I'm here to tell you, all of us have a purpose in Christ. We need to seek God for it. And we need to begin to serve God in the purpose for which we were created. Because that's how we justify our existence. All of us weren't called to do this or to do that. We're all called to do different things in the body. But the point is, we've been called by God. We've been established by God. And now we must justify our existence by serving and living for God according to the purpose that he created us for we don't get to decide our own purpose in Christ we don't get to decide that I know sometimes we think man I should do this or I should no no you don't get to do that God tells you what you deter what you are supposed to do your purpose and my purpose was determined by God before the foundation of the world. And God will not change it. So you better get to seeking him for what 
is your purpose in him or else existence will not be justified. And anything that is useless in the eyes of God, he do away with it. If we are not seeking God for our purpose or we are not living for God according to our purpose, we are useless. And God never creates anything that's useless. So the scripture tells us this in John chapter 15, verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. That's what useless things go. They go in the fire. Matthew chapter 25, verse 30. It says, and cast ye the unprofitable servant in outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now you want to know, God, why were you so harsh? To that servant that went and hid the talent in the ground. Because everything God created, he created it to serve a specific purpose. And when you don't serve in the specific purpose in what God called you to do, God do away with you. Because that's going outside of what God is all about. Everything he does, he does it for a reason. Everything he created, he created for a purpose. So if you live your life without purpose in God, forget about what you want. If you live your life without purpose in God, he'd do away with you. What did we say? The first text we read, Revelation 4 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Listen to me. I close saying this. Many have declared their love for God. Many have expressed that they are blessed. Many have said God has been good to them. And all those things may be true and it may be right. But all creation must justify its purpose for existence. It doesn't matter how pretty it sounds. It doesn't matter how much God has been good to you. And listen, God being good to you don't mean you are justifying your purpose. It just means God is good. God is good no matter what. So God treats us all from his goodness, his kindness, and his mercy. So saying God has been good to me, saying God has blessed me, saying God has provided for me, saying God is my God, God is my Lord and my Savior. You can say all of that. My question is, are you justifying your existence. My question is, have you been motivated by your justification? Because that's what motivated God. He had to determine his value. He had to justify his existence. And so he created everything, including us. So now that we're here, we have to do the same thing. We know we're no better than God. And if God got to justify his existence, what do we think about ourselves? What are we going to sit around and say, God, <laughs> you had to do it, but we good. <laughs> we fooling ourselves. Let's stand. I hope this motivated you to say, I can't just exist. I hope this motivated you to make you say, I can't just exist. Existing without justifying my existence is just worthless. It's fruitless. It's meaningless. I need to be justified. 
or I need to justify my existence. And only way I can do that is through Jesus Christ. God is good. I teased Sister Kitty earlier. And I normally don't say anything about birthdays over the pulpit because everybody have birthdays. And I'll be saying something about birthday every week. But I teased her a little bit because today is her birthday and it's Bible study night and she's here in the house of the Lord. And so I said, wow, that's how you want to spend your birthday in Bible study on Thursday night. Great example. Then we're not sure if she wanted to come or her mom made her come. We're leaving that alone because that's a fight that's going on in the house. Mom is saying, I told her to hang out with me on her birthday and I'm going to Bible study. So you got to come with me. The, the daughter is saying, no, I was going to come because this is what I want to do. So I'm just letting the family fight about that. That's a good fight. I'm okay with that fight. <laughs> Let them fight it out. You know what I mean? But I, I, happy birthday, Sister Kitty. And, 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 and may God continue to bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I hope everybody receives something from the teaching of the word of the Lord tonight. And I hope you will take heed to it and begin to seek God for your reasons, for your reason for existence. That you will justify your reason for existing. Because God justified his value and reason for existing. So should we. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We give you praise and honor, Lord Jesus. And Lord... You have spoken to our heart. God, you have established your word, a foundation that is sure, almighty God. And tonight, Lord Jesus, we can go forward in a surety. We can go forward, Lord God, with a clear mind to seek you for your purpose, almighty God. And tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray the power of God will move upon every one of us, Lord God. Whether we're here inside this building or whether we're, oh God, a part of the service through virtual live stream, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the power of God will lift us. That the power of God will empower us. And that, God, we will leave here tonight with a determination to seek your face. To know your will, Lord God. And to fulfill our purpose in you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we love you. We love you. Anybody love the Lord tonight? Anybody love the Lord? Anybody thankful unto God for all of his goodness? For, for, for him being so good? For him being so wonderful. God, we can go on and on and on about your goodness, about who you are, about your power, your sovereignty. Oh, God, how you are self-existent and how, Lord God, everything consists in you, Lord. Oh, God, we worship you and we adore you. Tonight, Lord, I pray your strength upon every one of us, Lord God, and that, Lord, you will bind this church closer together. And, oh, God, you will help us, Lord, to grow in you and to fulfill our purpose in you, Lord God. Have your way tonight, Lord God, as we go to our respective place of dwelling. As this service come to an end, I pray, Lord, your hand, your spirit, your power, your will to be done.
God, that we, Lord God, will go to a new dimension in you, Lord God. Show us your glory, Lord God, that we can walk in our purpose, that we can fulfill our purpose in you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you tonight, Lord God, as we give you the honor and the praise. In Jesus' wonderful, in Jesus' precious name, Hallelujah, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and thank Him tonight. Don't forget, give unto the Lord to our building fund, whether you're online or you're here in person. Give unto the Lord in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.